0: Conversations that you connect with and react to.
1: SAFM. So the... Information regulator is turning its attention, particularly on uh, data privacy, for this week. They'll be hosting an International Data Privacy Day webinar tomorrow. But it's to really try and deal with issues including cyber security. Uh, Unfortunately, we have seen an increase. Um, in some of the attacks that have taken place on organizations. So we've had security breaches. We've had data leaks, including um, data leaks from government departments and banks. So, this is a serious problem. Uh, we're going to be joined in this conversation by advocate Colin Weapon, who is on the line and is a member of the information regulator responsible for POPIA, and that, of course, is um, the Personal the Protection of Personal Information Act. Uh, advocate Weapon, good morning to you.
2: Good morning to you, Cathy, and good morning to your listeners.
1: Also part of this conversation is Ms. Tezi Mabuza, who is the acting commissioner uh, at the National Consumer uh, Protection. And of course, she's going to be uh, covering the the aspect of consumers and basically how we then respond where cyber attacks and cyber crime is concerned. Ms. Mabuza, good morning to you and thanks for your time.
0: Good morning, Kathy, and good
1: morning to Advocate Weppon. Mm. Advocate weapon let me begin with you. You know, when we look at the statistics um, that were released by the regulator, taking a look at organisations that have come under increasing threat where their information is concerned, what from from the work that you have been doing is driving um, these attacks?
2: Thank you. Thank you, Cathy, for the opportunity. Good morning to the acting commissioner, uh, Ms. Mabuza. Uh, Cathy, so that's a very interesting question. So um, the regulator, in particular the chairperson as well, is very concerned about the increase of uh, what we loosely uh, coined as data bridges. But uh, in terms of our act, we refer to it as uh, security compromises. So the security compromises can be mainly driven um, in some instances by um, unauthorised access, mm-hmm. uh, which is referred to in terms of Section 191 of the Protection of Personal Information Act. But what is very important to also note is the fact that um, there are um, people um, that, um, if we look at uh, um, Experian um, security compromise, um, that... Um, had uh, uh, gained access to a particular file or set of data or data sets. And that then resulted uh, in that um, sharing uh, of um, the um, information or the personal information of uh, data subjects in excess of 24 million um, South Africans. And and that is really a concern for us. And uh, we also note that recently that same file resurfaced Um, and it also then um, triggered the regulator to do more work and to do more analysis and to also then ensure that we uh, provide the proper guidance to responsible parties. Um, Lastly, Cathy, there's also a requirement in terms of Section 19.2 of the Protection of Personal Information Act that responsible parties, um, companies um, must then ensure that they put a system of risk management in place particularly to mitigate against the risk of unauthorized access of um, data or personal information of their data subjects or clients that they are processing. So um, these attacks are mainly driven by unauthorized access, and there is a breakdown uh, of that particular um, uh, unauthorized access. Uh, One um, sometimes happens that the systems are then hacked, it also happened um, at the Department of Justice, and that then raised the concern, and also um, for us to then um, ensure that we looked closely at the processes and, and how these unauthorized access. Um, Mm. uh,
1: continues to raise concern. Thank you. I guess on on one hand, um, there's a part that is out of your control, which is trying to determine, you know, who will be hacked and for what reasons. But when these individuals have been able to get their hands on people's private information, when we look at POPIA and the role that it plays, are there particular limitations Um, in as far as what can be done with that information and does it provide grounds, I'm assuming here further grounds, uh, to pursue action uh, where that data is concerned?
2: Kathy, that's a very interesting question. So it would all depend on the number of personal information that was acquired. If there's a combination of personal information like your name and surname Mm. as well as your ID number, coupled with maybe your bank account, et cetera, that could then provide a high risk uh, for um, uh, access or uh, to uh, access um, your, um, uh, you know, um, financial records. But um, I believe that on the other side, again, the bank has security questions that they ask from time to time, which um, this particular actor who unauthorized, who was not the necessary authority gained access to your um, um, personal information would not then be able to penetrate but definitely it depends on the type of um, a personal information that was acquired and if there's a large volume of this then the risk of accessing um, your financial records or the risk of accessing other um, records of, um, of, of of that particular uh, data subject is higher the lower or the less amount of personal information uh, then the risk is lower so that would be the key principle to consider in instances where uh, people can um, have, uh, maybe um, suffer some financial loss or some exposure of some sort.
1: Mm. Ms. Mabuza, let me bring you in here because I suppose for consumers, there are multiple ways in which they can be affected um, by data breaches or on the one hand, uh, but on the other, there's just the deliberate sharing and passing on of information uh, amongst companies that that POPIA is seeking to bring to an end?
0: Yes, Cathy. I I think the the, the role really of of POPIA for us as consumers, the end users, is really to protect ourselves. But that doesn't also end there, is that they also have an obligation that even if, as as, um, advocates have said, that um, those companies, in terms of the responsibility to inform the regulator, but again, they also have that responsibility to inform myself as a consumer, as a data subject, that also um, enables me as well to be on the alert because I might be on the receiving end of this unauthorized uh, entry or this unauthorized access to my personal information, wherein, again, as a consumer, I also have a little bit of some responsibility if I have been informed to make sure that why my uh, data might have been compromised and that is being dealt with by the, regula- by the information regulator, but uh, to also be on the alert and continuously check with um, either with either your your credit suppliers or bureaus to ensure that if that information was leaked or fell into the wrong hands, if maybe nothing happened to my. Uh, um, I would say to my situation where in either an account or something was I was um, either maybe an account opened, but also as well to be alert of some of the authentications that might mm-hmm. be sent to me requesting me either to give a, um, a consent for a debit order to check if I am aware of what is being asked of me. So that would mean that myself also as that data subject, I If once informed, or even if I've not been informed, I always have to be alert and be there all the time to make sure that I further put in that layer of protection of my own personal information.
1: Ms. Mabuza, when it comes to these breaches, it's often difficult to know if I, as a consumer or as a client of a particular institution, have been affected because they don't communicate. They—it's not like they send out emails to say, you know, your details were on the list of those that were that form part of 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 the breach.
0: I think, um, Kathy, and I'm, I'm sure that his advocate is listening, I think that, that is one of those obligations mm-hmm. that um, myself as a data subject, I ought to be informed so that I can also bring in a layer and protect myself as well. Though they've got that obligation to inform the regulator, the information regulator, but I as a data subject, I ought to be informed. But I'm sure that advocate Wipond uh, can
2: maybe elaborate on that.
1: Mm. Advocate Weapon?
2: Yes. Uh, thank you, Cathy. The Commissioner is 100% correct. Thank you, Commissioner, for raising that point. So Section two four specifically requires that a responsible party must notify a data subject who has made a request in terms of Section 1 of um, the action taken as a result um, of a request. So basically what that means is that... Um, If there was a data breach, as we loosely coined it, then data subjects that were affected must be notified, and in some instances, the regulator will provide the necessary guidance maybe to, for you to notify them by way of publishing um, um, in, a, in a newspaper or by uh, sending out um, an email or a combination of uh, SMS and emails or whatever the case might be. But the notification must be done so that data subjects can take extra precautions as to a prevent further access and abuse of their personal information, which is actually very concerning to us as information regulators because we need to ensure that there's sufficient and adequate protection for data subjects who are affected. But what is also very important to note is that multiple data breaches can then occur, and when they occur, then a certain data subject can be affected twice or thrice. hence the importance that the data subject must be notified in some um, form uh, of 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 notification um about the data breach and the extent of the data breach and also um for the data subject to take those precautionary measures but the commission is 100% correct. Mm.
1: And 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 in the instance where again the the communication is the the, the onus to communicators is, is 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 on a particular organization that has suffered this breach do they have to contact me directly because if they put out an advert in, in the newspaper that we've had this breach, our clients please beware, not everybody's going to read the, the newspaper.
2: Kathy, that's correct. So what we do is always to advise on a a more direct notification, but it can be a direct notification plus uh, a, an alternative, and that is also where, for instance, the information that the responsible party has on record might or could have changed and you could then not be reached through that specific uh, personal notification. Hence, there might be a, a suggestion from the regulator or direction that it must be done maybe by way of an advert and also by way of uh, maybe uh, an SMS or email or combination of all so that we ensure that um as much as possible uh, uh, notifications reach data subjects who might or could have been affected by a specific data breach
1: all right uh, Ms Mabusa I want to bring this this one to you and it's a message from one of our listeners who says data privacy is a fallacy. It does not exist and never existed. As long as we have our cell phones, we're always on the Internet and we are being followed. It depends on your social standing and how much of a person of interest you are.
0: Yes, that is a, a very, I would say, yeah, it's kind of like a, a really a very deep statement. And I do not think that it depends on a social standing. In mm-hmm. this case, is that um, when you are looking at, um, at your security, security of a person, is that um, sometimes in cyber, we forget that we are in a dark space is the same thing as protecting yourself while walking in the dark. If maybe during the day you would not be, as a person, if somebody just stops you and say, what is your name, and then, um, and then you give them, and then they say, you know what, your keys, op- your, your car is open, give me the key of your, ve- of your vehicle, I'll lock it. You would give it to them. You would actually be cautious. But in this case, especially within the cyberspace as consumers, we lack those uh, habits of ensuring that we make ourselves less vulnerable to attacks. Um, In this case, any other device that you have becomes a vector for you to be uh, attacked. And I think as consumers, we really have to be, as I'm saying, alert all the time. And most of these securities and all that, the breaches and all that, they happen in most cases because we normally, most of us, we have routine labs, like I'm in a hurry, I know that I'm in a a, a private space, and then my daughter or my son needs money urgently. Instead of logging in using my device, logging in, keying in the detail, all I do is I just go on Google, just punch the first name of my bank there. I don't even check if that's the site that I'm on that particular time, it's a safe site, it belongs directly to the bank. Mm -hmm. That would mean that I myself as a consumer, sometimes we volunteer our information by not being alert, by not being there all the time. So what we need is to practice those, be habitually practice those safety mechanisms of making sure that our devices and our own personal data is safe. I think, again, Katie, what we normally see as well is that everything we save on our cell phones. And then sometimes when you transact in that site, they will ask you, would you like this, uh, your, your, your device to remember the password? Mm-hmm. And most of us will say yes. And you, you lose that, you lose everything, because now the person has your device, they also have all the passwords to your bank, to your everything that you have, because you ask the device to remember that. Remember, it's machine learning. So let us just practice that hygiene. As much as in person we want to be safe, we want to be clean, let's do that also with our devices as well, the, patch, uh, the, the, the patchworks that we do in terms of the software updates, but also the complexity of our passwords. And please let us not be lazy. Don't let your device remember that password. Mm. So that, let us do that
1: that's some really good good advice and and you're actually reminding me about just some of the phishing scams that uh, many people would have experienced, other messages on your phone, uh, emails, and etc. there are multiple ways in which they they manifest themselves. and, and again, it's about making sure that we are not as free of information with our information uh, as we tend to be. What do you find are, are often the biggest issues that, that consumers face uh, where, where, where the, the personal protection of, of their own information is concerned?
0: Um, from our side, uh, Kathy, from the, the the consumers that would normally complain, mm-hmm. is that you would find that it's, again, related to uh, them actually saying that um, I've got my um, swapping of my pin. And in this case, when you ask the consumer to say, please put your complaint down, you would realize that they would be called by somebody that says that somebody is standing out there, it's in the store, and then they are about to swap your, 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 your SIM card. Um, and um, I'm trying to help and stop. Can you please authenticate? And then a person just gives all the numbers that they have, their cell phone numbers and whatever, whatever, whatever. So that would mean that it's what we do in practice. And again, in that case, because it becomes a scam, it becomes so difficult for us to follow up. And then it also, this also happens as when, with the um, deliberate giving of information wherein you would find that the person really went into transact with their bank and then on a wrong side wherein they just delivered it gave all the information and in this case because the issue of cyber hygiene is something that we have to continuously teach ourselves as consumers it's, it's actually something that is new for ourselves and it seems that we are being overtaken by events and we see that as fallacy but i think that is now we have to now i think with the information regulator keep on hopping on the issue of uh, education and on the issue of security and also on the issue of just being unmet and being there all the time. Mm.
1: Thanks, Kathy. Advocate weaponed. there are people who are, you know, who sending me messages now about the fact that they still receive calls from telemarketers despite the fact that Popia has come into effect.
2: Yes, um, Kathy, thank you so much. And um, I do concur with um, uh, what the commissioner has stated as well. Kathy, so... Um, Telemarketers um, is is, um, is of concern, particularly section 69, uh, which refers to direct marketing. But what is also very uh, um, key to what the regulator has prioritised is the fact that um, there are resellers operating, and and, and those resellers then um, sell uh, personal data sets of uh, data, subject, data subjects, data subjects. Um, to other responsible parties for the very same purpose of marketing. So that's a very deep concern, and the regulator has prioritized this area, and we will in due course issue a guidance note with regards to direct marketing. We are also engaging with uh, Dimasa, which is Direct Marketing South Africa, so that we can also, as a key stakeholder, ensure that we um, uh, have a balance between um, what the act requires and also how... Um, the MASA and the responsible parties who operate in this area for economic purposes and commercial purposes operate. So it's very, very important for us, but we do acknowledge and we do recognize that um, people are being called not once, not twice, but um, still a lot of times. And those complaints which people now have must then be forwarded to the information regulator because the Act has come into effect and there are consequences. Um, as I can then just mention, that there can either be a fine of up to 10 million or imprisonment of up to 10 years or a combination of both, uh, depending on the seriousness and the nature of the violation of the provisions of Sophia. And we have always maintained. That um, this area needs further attention from the regulator, and that's what we're doing now, and we will ensure ensure that proper guidance is issued uh, for data subjects and responsible parties alike as to how they should operate in compliance with the Act.
1: Advocate Colin Weppend, let me thank you for your time. He's a member of the Information Regulator responsible for POPIA, Ms. Tezi Mabuza, Acting Commissioner at the National uh, Consumer Protection Office. It's 11 o'clock, and Musa is standing by with your latest news.